to Octagon 24-7 podcast, MMA FanCast. It's MMA for the fans, by the fans. We talk about only the important things you want to hear. Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Hello and welcome to MMA FanCast brought to you by Octagon247.com. We are here with another episode. I am joined by my co-hosts, Jim Sahara Mooney and Andrew Dice Bailey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to jump right into things. We have a ton to talk about today as we are post UFC 215, a card that had so much promise and that kind of fell apart at the last moment um guys what what, what what's your reaction to uh to this this fight card that we we just got to witness it was a bit of a mixed bag i we had some ups and downs we had some great performances we had some not so great performances uh, we had a controversial somewhat controversial finish in our main event so you know Pretty much summed up the whole year of MMA for us. Gave us a bit of everything. I'd say yep. so. A little bit of everything. For me, um, I didn't get to watch this, but uh, I was following on Twitter, and it actually kind of uh, juiced things up and made things a bit more exciting because um, especially for the main event, um, people were all over with uh, with the scoring and who they thought was ahead I saw um four nothing going into round five for Shevchenko um four nothing for Nunez two two it was all over the place but it was interesting you know to say the least to follow it that way uh, you had a birthday weekend isn't that right Sahara I did and it was a surprise I knew that it was a birthday weekend but um, the well, events with, were a surprise. With your old age, that could have been a surprise for you that it was your birthday. I mean, being as old as you are. Anyway, um, I'm 29 with 21 years of experience. Taking a look at um, the the card, um, there was a. I mean, there was a lot of good action. There was. Um, the main card really started off with a bang with uh, Jeremy Stevens and Gilbert Melendez and little heathen man landed a brutal leg, a couple brutal leg kicks early. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the night for, uh, for that fight. I don't know how many he finished with, but in the earlier stages, middle stages of the third round, he'd already landed. He was 22 for 22 is what the stat said. And, I mean, he just shoot it up. I don't know what it is with the scrap pack of the Diaz's and Melendez and Jake Shields of why they don't like to check leg kicks, but he didn't, and Jeremy Stevens looked fantastic. Yeah, that certainly helped his, his cause out greatly. And, you know, there is something to be said about, um, you know, winning a fight – or rather losing a fight and still being able to, to pit, uh, get fans that way. 
And I think Gilbert Melendez came away more popular than ever just by, you know, withstanding that many leg kicks and knowing that he his leg was shot in the first round and he grinned and bared it and just dealt with it and tried his best and put his best foot forward, so to speak, which was his right foot after those brutal leg kicks. Did you see the picture of it today that was released? I did. I did not. Oh, yes, I did see it. I actually not only saw it myself, but I had friends, other people posting it or sending it to me via uh, like text message because it was just insane. <laughs> it's as big as his, his shin was as big as his thigh. Those kicks were nasty. And the location of them right at that upper calf. I mean, those are not easy to throw. If you get one of those checked, you could break your leg. Yeah, one of the uh, I I did see the picture, um, and I uh, did follow that fight as well on Twitter. And one of the uh, best fights that I recall, where um, it was successful leg checking, was with uh, Weidman and Silva, mm-hmm. um, especially you know the the second fight. Obviously, you know he broke his leg, and I think that was years of just you know, brutal leg kicks, and finally his leg gave out. But, you know, he – that that was uh, textbook uh, leg checking. Um, we didn't see that last night. Uh, well, and the other example I think of with some brutal leg kicking is Jose Aldo used to just destroy guys with leg kicks. Eight killed Uriah Faber's leg. Yeah, I mean, he used to just – it was like he was just – swinging a baseball bat with his leg like every time it was so solid now i don't i mean i don't think he's i don't think he kicks like that anymore but when he was in his like mid-20s man those leg kicks were unbelievable it's that's in barboza now yeah that was that was the kind of leg kick that uh that stevens landed early against melendez a couple times and melendez really didn't I mean, he had a puncher's chance at any point after that, but got completely dominated. I think um, two of the scorecards had him uh, down. I mean, losing twenty to or thirty to twenty-five, and I think the other one was thirty to twenty-six. Yeah, it was. It wasn't close. But where do you think Stevens goes from here in the featherweight division? I mean, he he's a career guy. He's the guy that's going to give you a great fights you know most of the time most of the time it'll be a you know something exciting but I I mean he's a he's there as long as they want him there but he's not going into the top five or ten in the division well he's already eighth isn't he um well I mean I don't see how looking at his record but technically he is but I mean do you you, I mean, I don't know. You got you had two guys that I felt that it's like a losers le- loser leaves town match, where they've just lost so many fights collectively between the two of them that how can an, I, they face another loss? I mean, that was the way Gil, the way Gilbert Melendez lost and gained fans. I mean, that's the way you can lose and still stay, and that actually ended up happening, but. There were very few possibilities of that happening, and and it and it did. So, all the 
All the better for him. I would like to see him, you know, being being the seasoned fighter, the traveler. I'd like to see him fight a younger guy like Jair Rodriguez. They're ranked similar in the rankings. Jair's coming off a bad loss to Frankie Edgar. And, of course, you get the alliance alpha male rivalry back from Dominic Cruz and the whole team because uh, Yair trains with Team Alpha Male now. Well, and the the thing about putting Yair against uh, Jeremy Stevens, it's a dangerous fight for him, and he's a young guy, and he just got put in against a veteran that uh, took it to him. I give him an easier fight to, like, boost his confidence up. When you're young like that, to take two losses like that, you want to build those young guys up and not just throw them to the wolves, in my opinion. See, I still don't think Stevens is uh, considered the Wolves. And looking at the division, it's just I don't, I don't see where they really – I mean, it's an interesting division, but I think they're tying up – where is it, Feather? There's Featherweight. And I think, I think they're going to tie up Aldo with Lamas. I don't know what they're doing with Swanson. You have Yair at seven. He's, only one, he's one ahead of Stevens at eight. Stevens has already fought most of the guys in the division. Darren Elkins, he uh, fought Cub Swans. I mean, they could – I don't know. It's interesting. I, I still like the Yair matchup, but it's an intriguing division, but most of the guys have already faced each other. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting matchup. I'm, uh, I'm in Yair's camp. I, I think he's uh, got some dynamic kicks. Um, very flashy with the knees. He's had big finishes that we've seen in the past. And I, I, I have a hard time really buying into Stevens, um, especially after what, uh, what Frankie Edgar did to him at uh, – was it 205? Yeah, it was 205, and that's yeah. where he had the comment sitting uh, behind, uh, I think he was to McGregor's left, and he made the comment that he was the hardest-hitting um, one sitting there, I think he may, may have mentioned in the division. He said in the division, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's where we got the the famous well, Alvarez soundbite. Well, the question was actually posed to Conor McGregor, who do you think that uh, – or do you think you're the – I don't – maybe it was – who do you think the hardest – hitter in the division is or something like that Connor mcgregor was asked some question relating to hardest hitting do you think you are or something like that and and he interrupted and said you know that he was the hardest hitter in the division guys you take a look okay rodriguez you're just dis- i think you're dismissing um jeremy stevens way too easily his losses are to some of the top guys in the division. I, I give you that Yara Rodriguez is a top young guy, but you talk about, um, you know, his loss to Frankie Edgar, which was a unanimous decision um, about Stevens. But take a look at Frankie Edgar's Dr. Stoppage win against Yara Rodriguez. That was a mercy stopping he was destroying him and those are frankie edgar's last two opponents i'm pulling that up now but yeah i i don't know i'm looking at uh at stevens and it's been a while since he's really had a significant win i would go back to 
Uh, Hennen- maybe Elkins. I mean, um, I know he beat uh, Hennen Burrell. What but- about Dennis Bermudez? These aren't like chop. I'm not, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from. Him. I just think that some of these fighters um, are more known for their name and being around for a while and being in battles, and you know they're not at the top of the division anymore. And I don't think that they were quite near the top at the time. I think it was okay, so middle of the pack meeting middle of the pack. So Frankie Edgar, top of the division. Max Holloway, current champion. Loss, loss. You're saying these guys aren't at the top. Henan Baroa was champion months before this. Um, Dennis Bermudez is still one of the top rank fighters in the division and that's a win yeah it's just my opinion i'm not sold on bermudas um hannon burrow i think is a shadow of himself um not the same fighter that we saw a few years ago you know it's we're we're Uh, reach yara rodriguez i don't think what you want him to suffer two losses in a row all i'm saying is to throw him in there against another veteran like that is a risk. I don't know who else Jair fights in that division, though, that's not a veteran besides Duho Choi, the Korean Superboy, because everybody else in the top is seasoned with Edgar Lamas, Swanson, the Korean Zombie. I mean, you have Ortega, I guess, at six. Who are we basing Yar Rodriguez's like greatness against? I thought he was really impressive in that fight of the night split decision win against Alex Caceres. And he and he was, but it was also a split decision. Yeah, he, I mean, he knocked. I mean, I guess it's not look doesn't look as good now when he knocked out Andre Feely. Yeah, and I mean, I think we remember the Penn fight, but like that was a shell of BJ Penn. Yeah, I still I just, I see the potential and I just see the dynamic, diverse striking, and I really think that he's he's a he's a big problem at, at, even right now. He's twenty four. I think you give him a win and let him. Then you put him back, get him confidence again. You remember when Ronda Rousey got hit by Amanda Nunez and she flashed back. <laughs> you can see it literally happen. She got hit and was like, "Oh crap." And it was like any training she got, any defense she got went out the window. That That is what I fear could happen with Rodriguez if he's thrown. And you guys don't – You guys, are, I think you guys are too dismissive of Jeremy Stevens and his skill set is, is, is very high. Yeah. He's, every fight he's fighting against the, the, some of the best guys. I just think he's like the gatekeeper to the elite. Like, I, I think he's a fine fighter and he's good. He's seasoned, but I just think there's, there's a gap. Like he, he's never been able to bridge it in his career. He reminds me of um, where Ryan Bader was. Ryan Bader was an excellent fighter, but could never beat that next. He could never get to that next level of fighter in the division. And that's what Stevens remind me of. And as far as the Rousey thing goes, I could see the flashbacks, but not for a striker like him. I mean, Ronda Rousey, it was, it was a much different time. She was a judo fighter. I mean, her striking was never, you know, just, it was never proficient. It wasn't just a dominant force of striking that was winning fights. And I also think the move for Yair to team alpha male is huge. 
I think that once um, Ronda Rousey's uh, invincibility was broken, it's the same thing with Brock Lesnar. The, you know, once people saw that, hey, this isn't like someone that's unbeatable, then that mystique was kind of gone. The whole Tyson effect, you know? I agree. Once Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, people didn't come in like ready to lose. They came in like trying to win. It's the whole mental barrier thing. It's the same thing with uh, when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. He did it, and then the next year, like, ten other people did it. And, like, within an eight-month span, you just got to get through the mental barrier. Yeah. Um, next fight on the card. I'm trying to get back to it. I, I, I accidentally uh, forgot to print it. And I got a what, what oh, was it? Pedro Tyson Pedro and Latifi. Yeah. Oh, by the way, guys, I gotta tell you, if I was listening to our podcast and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna listen to these guys' predictions," <laughs> and I'm going to um, you base my betting on their predictions, we would have very angry listeners on this card because our picks were absolutely. Positively horrendous. <laughs> they really were. We passionately cover this and study it and do research, but that's what makes the sport so great. You still don't know. And and we just missed time after time after time. As a matter of fact, I didn't have the um, picks with me when, when I was watching it, and I came back and was like, oh, how far off were we? I knew I, I didn't do very well, but – it was pathetic. Yeah, we don't have uh, the list available. Um, I have. Hang on, let me see if I got something here. Oh, yeah, I think I might. Everything, I think. Uh, I, I, I will be able to get it once um, Andrew starts talking. Where do you guys start talking? I know for a fact I got one of six right, and that was my man Henry Cejudo, but we'll get to him in a second. Um, following along on Twitter, Jim, I don't know if you're able to really understand just the interesting factor, just the visible potential of Tyson Pedro. He moves he, – he doesn't move like normal light heavyweights. He's got a really – a really just – diverse style he moves his head he mixes up kicks he threw a question mark kick i mean this guy's huge and it was beautiful but he has zero takedown defense so latifi was able to get him down and just give give him a nice learning lesson about you know this is the big boy's time you know you, you got a lot to learn and he also got a lesson in wrestling and in cardio well yeah that one was pretty straightforward um on uh, on Twitter, I didn't catch all of them. I caught Nunez, Latifi. Um, you two were, uh, you know, texting, um, and that's when I um, chimed in and started uh, following on Twitter with Stevens and Melendez. And I just remember, um, I think Ryan's comment on that was um, "Beast Mode of the Year" by Melendez. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Latifi. Um, I saw several people say that um, he taught him what it was like to be mauled or mm -hmm. what it felt like to be mauled. Um, but it, it was, uh, for me, 
this took me back to like when I was in grade school, like sixth or seventh grade. And, you know, you would take the, uh, the transistor radio into school and uh, World Series games, uh, playoff games were, they were, there were games played during the day. And, you know, being in school, we couldn't watch it. So somebody would bring in a radio and you would try to keep it on, have the volume down low, but one person would have it. And then you would pass notes around to the other kids in, in class. And that's how you kept up with what was going on. And it could have been like two innings gone by before I got another update. And it just added to the excitement of listening to it. And that's kind of the way it was for me on Saturday, following on Twitter, especially with Sehudo uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, and Nunez. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting to follow it that way. I would rather have watched it, but um, <laughs> it was it was pretty neat to to see it play out on Twitter. So the first fight that we picked was Sarah McMahon and Vieira, um, Ketlin Vieira, and the only person that picked anything right was was Jim. He picked Vieira to win via unanimous decision. Um, I th- what did what. She won in the what round? Second, uh, arm triangle too. Yeah. yeah, second round. So Jim got a point for that win. Then the next fight was Jeremy Stevens and Gilbert Melendez. I went and, down there. And you both picked Gilbert Melendez. I picked Jeremy Stevens' second round. It was a decision. So I got a point there. Um, Andrew, you're at zero points at this point. Oh, I got probably, consistency. I probably got one point. That's the Huda. Then we had Latifi and Tyson Pedro. And, um, you know, I really, this was a matter to me, this was a matter of being two or three minutes into the fight and already seeing both these guys tired. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them are breathing really heavy. And granted, yeah. granted, it was a very physical, grueling first couple minutes. But these two, these guys collectively looked looked pretty tired three minutes into the fight. Yeah, Latifi carried it much, much better. But I was just impressed with the potential of Tyson Pedro. You can just – that kind of striking is seldom seen with a guy that big. And it was impressive. And – Moreover, he continues the trend of Mark Hunt, Robert Whitaker, and now him of Australians just being the nicest people. <laughs> he, he took a picture with uh, Latifi afterwards, like, "Oh, this guy's great, super nice. Thanks for the le- thanks for the lesson." I just want to hang out with him. <laughs> well, he's young. He got that first loss out of the way now, and that can be a good experience overall. You know, you take a loss, yeah, but. Um, he didn't get knocked out. It was a, uh, you know, a learning experience, and he'll he'll be able to, you know, benefit from that and be be a better fighter from it. Exactly. Andy came out to fantasy by Mariah Carey. This guy's already a legend in my book. <laughs> well, you consider different things than me. Uh, we all picked Tyson Pedro to win. And so we all got zero points for that. That's the first requirement to get points is you got to pick the right winner. 
Again, consistency. Consistency, please. Know that this is not usual for us to have our picks this 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 horrendous. Um, the next fight was uh, Dos Anjos and Magni. No, Cejudo. We, we didn't pick this fight because it got bumped up late. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the Cejudo fight. Um, what were your thoughts on the fight? Performance of the night. Henry Cejudo coming out in a Conor McGregor stance and just unloading combination on Wilson Hayes. I mean, finish him quicker than Mighty Mouse. This, this is the best I've ever seen Henry Cejudo. I was blown away at how good he looked. And just knowing that he has the gold medalist wrestling background just makes him even more dangerous moving forward. I, I loved it, and I'm really excited to see him fight um, Sergio Pettis next, which is the big rumor. So do you, what do you think about, you know, we could have kept the main, I mean, with how good Cejudo looked, we could have kept the main, main fight together and had Demetrius Johnson fight Cejudo again. I wish that would have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, if I'm, I don't know what Demetrius Johnson said about it was basically that's Bush league and like, like that's not how professionals do it and all this stuff. But I'll tell you what, you need to do it for the fans. And I don't know if that was offered to him, but that as good as Cejudo looked, I would have loved to see him look that because he didn't look like that against Demetrius last time. He didn't look confident. He came, he came out there and looked great. Well, I don't know if that would have been fair to uh, to Cejudo. Um, and maybe even to uh, to Mighty Mouse to some extent, because when you're going through that fight camp, you're you're preparing for a certain uh, style of fight coming at you. And you know, based on everything that I saw, I saw some clips um, and everything that I you know saw in the Twitter feed said that um, his striking was like any other fight um, that we've seen him in before. That it was it was a totally different. Um, Cejudo that we've seen, and it, 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 I, I got the impression that this is, I don't want to say a tune-up fight, but I mean, he eyes himself as the one to dethrone Mighty Mouse, and I think maybe he wants the next fight or to get one more um, and get comfortable with this style because he definitely has the wrestling um to to go along with the striking if if that's something that he is going to keep as part of his uh his his fight plan um it, it could be something that you know may give mighty mouse some fits but i i don't know if that would have uh, been fair to either one of them i don't think we would have seen the same i don't know about Cejudo. fair i'm i'm worried about fair to the fans more than the f- fighters i mean this is a sport run by the fans, and, I mean, you, you got to give the fans a good product and to bust up main events like that when a couple guys could, you know, they're fighters. They're supposed to be fighters. Yeah, and- you, yeah you pull Jose Aldo 10 days before UFC 189, and you put Chad Mendez, who is immensely different with his style, to face your prized possession, your up-and-comer of Conor McGregor. And 
I, I think if the fight was offered to Mighty Mouse, he should have taken it. Otherwise, it's like when John Jones was offered Chael Sonnen and turned it down and they canceled a card. Yeah, it, it's – you can call it Bush League. You can call it whatever. But you can't – you got to be a company guy. you got to know that – I mean, I don't know. I, I just think if you're, if you're a fighter – then you do that kind of stuff. And that's what the fan favorites do. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I mean, that could be one of the reasons that Mighty Mouse isn't a fan favorite. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And it was fortunate because he would have been, he would have been like the rest of us and been shocked with that style that Cejudo came in there with. His, his learning curve is unbelievable, how fast he is just adapted to MMA. But, I mean, he had the crash course. He got the title shot really quick, and I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited for his future. That may have been to his benefit, though, um, having had to um, hone his skills by, you know, taking that uh, – It was that was a uh, first-rounder, wasn't it? That's second. Uh, second round? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but – you know that may have been to his benefit to uh to have taken that fight when he did and now you know developed his skills to this level if i mean if if we do see this again if it's not a fluke um the matchup between them two which i i see ultimately happening um it's you know hopefully it's not going to be a stinker um but uh you know where they feel each other out and and are afraid to get get in tight and and mix well, it up. When it was, uh, you know, I think we all forget when someone looks real impressive in one fight, they could look equally unimpressive the next fight. And you know, so when you get a shot at the title, you got to go for it. You can't wait around because there's no guarantees in this sport, man. This sport catches up to guys so quickly. Unless you're like the superstar elite level, like you know, Demetrius Johnson that's able to stay on top for, you know, years and years. You know, this sport catches up to people real quick and these young lines come in and just take thing take things over. All it takes is one loss to knock you down and you might not ever be able to get back up again. And so, you know, if I'm Cejudo, I know that it's probably not the best time to 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 want that fight. You know, you want a full camp to get your second shot because guess what? If you lose and Demetrius Johnson stays champion, that's your last chance. I mean, you're not getting a third fight against him unless it's a couple years down the road and and he's cleaned out the rest of the division again. But, I mean, but you're not guaranteed to be in that position again, so you, you have to take it when you get it. No, that's that's a good point, Ryan. You got to take uh, when an opportunity sit in front of you. You got to take advantage of it and not, you know, think, well, you know, I may get the same opportunity down the road. You just never know what's going to happen. Absolutely, and and so when you get an opportunity, you got to jump on it, and and you can't count your chickens before they're hatched. He could have lost that this fight. He he could have he could lose his next fight. You know, you just don't know. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Preach, brother Ryan. Preach. Bring it. I think it. Uh, I think that goes back to um, Michael Bisbing jumping on the ten days' notice to fight Luke Rockhold. Yeah, I don't think. Good point. I don't think he ever got a title shot. He jumped on it, went in there, and made history. It's a great opportunity to 
And now Luke Rockhold had to sit a year because he couldn't figure out what happened. <laughs> he was modeling and dating Demi Lovato. Well, I think maybe later on in this uh, episode, we should talk about what happened. We, we just might. We just He's probably going to be listening. <laughs> Neil Magny went against Rafael RDA. Wait, wait, Rafael DA. Rafael DA. Yes. And, uh, and uh, yeah, this was um, – so I don't know if you guys recall, but last week when we talked about this fight and we were previewing it, I said if – RDA comes in with the game plan of just getting the t- fight to the ground, and that's his goal, and he gets it to the ground, he's going to dominate. Oh. And, it, and, and But I said, I, I question whether he'll do that, and ultimately my prediction was a Magni TKO in the second round. I think we all took Magni. Mm-hmm. What happened here was – he uh, he got an accidental takedown. Well, I mean, not accidental, but he wasn't really going for a takedown. He went for he went for a did a leg kick and got got Magny to fall, and he just pounced on him. And then he never he just never let up from there. It was just brutal ground and pound. You know, it was a very nice job by Rafael Da. Rafael <laughs> Da. It was a beautiful submission, too. And, I mean, prove me wrong. I was the biggest RDA detractor around. I said he didn't have a division. said he couldn't compete. He, looked, he didn't look good against Tarek Sefadine. And prove me wrong. And I'm really interested to watch him in this division now and see where he goes from here. People were talking about a title shot next. And I was thinking that was a little sudden. But yeah, that, that's – he's – no, 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 no. You, I was at, he said he was the reserve in case Maya couldn't make weight at the last fight to step in. Interesting. Yeah. Performance of the night along with uh, Cejudo. Yeah. His, I would like to see him maybe fight a Carlos Condit or somebody else before he gets a title shot. Yeah. I, I, I don't – I mean, yeah, you got to fight a guy in, you know, you're not jumping for – I mean, what was he ranked this – in the division he was ranked 10th and Magny yeah. was ranked sixth yeah that's not a, that, that you gotta fight a guy in the top five yeah you have condit at five you have robbie lawler at two and neither have a fight right now yeah so there there you have it he's got to beat one of those two guys to even be considered yeah my thinking as well and i think he can <laughs> I think he's a guy that's very skilled on the feet. If he goes against a really good striker, he's got to get the fight to the ground. If he goes against a, a, a ground guy or a, a submission specialist or a grappler, he's going he, – he can beat any of those guys. I agree. And it goes back to your point where you can look good in one performance and look bad in the next. He looked – he did not look good in his first one. He looked like a world beater in this fight. Yeah. So – and, and the way he utilizes he utilizes leg kick against Magni is what he did to Nate Diaz at lightweight. It's almost like his jab to make up for his lack of reach. He uses that as a jab, and then that leads to his takedowns. Well, think about how he looked against Ferguson. Ferguson just put a beating on him, and oh, yeah. it it made it look uh, like he was outmatched and you know outclassed. Well, Ferguson's a tricky guy. Ferguson made. 
I mean, he matches up. He's an awkward guy. He's really good at everything. And sometimes those matchups make him look like a world beater. And sometimes he, you know, I don't know. He's an interesting, he's a, he's very different than he's any weird. other fighter. <laughs> he's weird is what he is. Yeah. He's, he's very different. He's a different kind of fighter. I, I just don't think there's anyone quite like him. And I don't, I'm not saying like he's the greatest and I'm not, he, he's very different and he's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he makes some awkward matchups. That fight was also in Mexico city altitude, which favors Ferguson. Cause he's got cardio for days. And I think that played a big factor in the RDA fight. Well, we, but you would, you would think that, uh, uh Dos Sanchez, the RDA, I, I can't pronounce his last name would, uh, <laughs> you know, he would have the, the cardio for altitude too. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it may, maybe it's just matchups. That's a fight, you know, that I'd like to see happen again, you know, but with uh, different weight classes now, you know, it's probably not going to be. Um, yeah, Dos Sanders is not cutting that again. Yeah. <laughs> He's not getting down to 55 anymore. He looked huge in this fight. Yeah. Um, okay. So we all took Neil Magny. Second round TKO, third round TKO, unanimous decision, and we all lose. <laughs> um, next fight is Amanda Nunes, Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko. And uh, there was a lot of controversy here, guys. I- I'd like to hear what your oh, – well, Jim, I know you didn't see it. I'd like to hear what your guys thought, what your thoughts are, Andrew, on, on what your initial thought was post-fight. Did you actually score it mentally or write it down or whatever during the fight? Like, where were you at at the at decision time before it's announced? Like, what what are your what's your, what were your thoughts? Okay, so before the decision was announced, I always keep score during fights, and I scored uh, round one. An incredibly boring round. I scored that for Nunez. I scored round two for Shevchenko. I scored three, and this is the one I knew was in my mind was going to turn things. I thought three was way too close, and I could have and I could see it favoring Nunez. I scored three for Shevchenko. I scored four for Shevchenko, and I scored five for Nunez. And I I. I had a feeling that Nunes was going to get the decision, but in, on my scorecard, I had Shevchenko winning. 48-47. You scored it all 10 nines, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I scored it differently than you. I scored it first and second round for Nunes and third and fourth round for Shevchenko and fifth round for Nunes. But I thought the fifth round was a was a swing round. I thought that the only reason I was giving it to Nunez was because she had control, but she didn't do anything with it for with the takedowns. That I actually thought of you when that happened because we talked about this on one of our first podcasts together. You say I don't really consider a takedown much of anything unless you do something with it, and she just sat there while Shevchenko landed some shots on. Yeah, and that's exactly why. Now, if you land a power takedown where the takedown hurts, mm-hmm. I give you some credit for a takedown. But if you get a like a just a 
a single leg or a, you know, you know, you end up grappling against a fence and you, and you end up getting a takedown or a trip or anything like that. I mean, if it's a nice takedown that lands hard or something like that, but if you end up falling down on the ground and you end up on top of, uh, on top of your opponent, unless you do something, if they immediately get back up, that's not a takedown to me. That's not, it's a takedown, but it's not anything worthy of points. Yes. And the first takedown was basically by accident because it looked like Shevchenko was going for a judo toss over her hip and I don't know if she fell and then Nunes had better position. And so I don't even really well, consider I, that one. I, I disagree. I think Nunes countered that because she, she, she switched her hips. Switched her hips. Okay. It, yeah. looked, it looked like Shega slipped, but you're, I think you're right. But it was – and then they said the second one, she just sat on her. There was nothing – she wasn't doing yeah, this. and Shevchenko was the aggressor from the bottom. Yeah, I, I really got the Tyron Woodley feel from Amanda Nunes in this fight. She fought not to lose, and uh, I thought she was really too concerned with her cardio. Oh, well, that's – so here's what I was saying during the first two rounds. I was with Terry Dactyl, and I said, Shevchenko is letting Nunes get away with – not working Mm -hmm. she's not only losing this first round i thought she was losing the second round too that's a moot point i said she needs to make her if you're gonna lose these rounds make her work make force her to work and she wasn't forcing her to work and so you can't both lose rounds and not force your opponent to work if you're trying to um you know tire them Floyd Mayweather, McGregor. Floyd Mayweather just let McGregor win himself out, and then he just was able to take over because he had the time. Mm-hmm. But, if you're, but Conor McGregor was working to tire himself out. Yep. Shevchenko needed to push the pace. She needed to make her work. Even if you're going to lose the round, make her work, and she did not. I have very – I mean – Shevchenko is very talented and very good, and she's too good to blame judges for her loss. A couple things that stood out um, to me when I was following the uh, the Twitter feed. Um, one was a comment somebody made about Nunes, and it said um, something along the lines of, has she ever won a round three? So, you know, I – was following it and again it was you know people were going back and forth on who was winning um i was following the uh, the live stats and i didn't see anything by shevchenko like this is where she started to turn it on so then um round four comes along and you know people are um tweeting this is where she's got you know, to step on the pedal and gas Nunes and force the fight. And it never came. Based on everything that I saw, it never came. We got to the fifth round, same thing. This is Val- This is uh, Shevchenko's last chance. And then you get to the end, and there's that kind of stumbling takedown. And a couple uh, comments, um, you know, in the Twitter feed were that that may have sealed the victory for Nunes because, you know, it looked like Shevchenko was a little sloppy and never really forced 
her will onto Nunez and kind of waited for an opportunity, but that opportunity never came along. Yeah, I um, I, I just thought it was way too um, passive. I, I, I was talking to uh, Johnny Stats, and he was very upset. He thought uh, Shevchenko should have won the fight. And I said, listen, you can't go into a title fight and be looking to get the judge's decision. You just can't, unless you're dominant, you can't walk away. And there was no domination here by anyone. No love showed how to do that. If you're going to win by decision. Correct. Agreed. Yeah, exactly. The only way you can be upset, that was too close for anyone to be blaming judges. You, Valentino Shevchenko did not go for it. She didn't go all out. That's what she needed to do. And if her corner wasn't telling her fourth round to be going all out, and I think it was an error not to be pushing the pace early on because that's exact – even though she was getting beat up, Nunez Nunez was getting tired in the first fight from working. She was getting tired from – and you didn't make her work. Yep, I, be fresh in the fifth round. Sorry. And you're fine. Exactly. That's why I agree. I, I, I thought on my scorecard, I asked Shevchenko winning, but even during the fight, I'm like, I'm not going to be surprised if the judges give it to Nunes. It's not going to be a robbery by any means. You didn't do enough. You didn't get a knockdown or do anything aggressive or like I said, in that first round, she put her back against the cage and they just stared at each other for the most part. And to, I, I, I don't like the phrase, you know, to, to you got to like, there you have to win that you have to do something different than the champion to win you know you got to take it but i mean you got to do something you don't have to give some herculean effort but you have to do something you gotta ah i you have to beat yeah the champ and anyone that feels like she beat the champ i i i just don't see it do i think that noons beat her no but no one can no one in a fight this close can get mad at the judge's decisions. I'm sorry. You just can't. There have been way worse decisions than this. Way worse. And I don't yeah, even think, think it, was, of, it qualifies as a bad decision. It's a clo- super close fight. Think about um that fight that we saw at uh, MSG two oh five between Woodley and uh Wonderboy, the first fight. Um, And, you know, the controversy around it and, you you know, I I guess in the end, did Wonderboy really do enough to win that fight? You know, Woodley fought not to lose. Wonderboy fought not to get, I I, I say not to get knocked out. And, you know, both were tentative. You can't do that. If if you are the challenger, you got to go for it. And not saying that. You know, she didn't put it all on the line, but there's there's other ways to go about doing that. And uh, what we saw Saturday night was not the right way to go about it. Yeah, I think the problem is that fighters are so tied up in having to win and being afraid to take ch- – listen, the most successful guys are risk takers. Conor McGregor's a risk taker. He goes in there and he puts himself in – harm's way and people love him for it he makes a ton of money for it and he can lose fights or a fight he can lose fights and still be just as popular because 
he's a risk taker. Risk takers are rewarded in MMA. The big thing I've seen going around today is the the difference between champions pay like when you win a championship fight and when you lose a championship fight they think that is scaring some fighters to fight tentatively and cautious and just get out of there with a win and it could be a trend I mean, it's been evident with tyron woodley and this fight but i don't think there's enough behind it to substantiate that throughout the whole company right now because you we still you still have champions like mighty mouse fights to win uh cody no love obviously going to fight to win. Max Holloway is going to do the same. But I thought it was an interesting point if they brought this, like the payouts closer together, if that would get rid of any of this. Yeah, I, I mean, the win bonuses are nice. Um, should it be – the question is, the win bonuses, should they really be 50% of your pay? It's a little and, much. So that's why I, – I mean, that might be why people are so afraid to lose – I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. I also don't think that Bellator's, you know, paying you no matter paying you the same amount no matter what happened the outcome of the fight is is correct either. So it, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, maybe this maybe the theory is right with the UFC and having a win bonus, but maybe it's too high. I agree. I too high of a percentage. Yeah, I think I think it is, and it'd be interesting to see the kind of solution they come up with this. Now, Ryan, I'm interested on your thoughts on this. Do you think Nunez continues to fight at 35? And if she does, for how long? Well, I I think I don't think she's she big. wants to. She's big. I don't think she wants to go up as long as Cyborg's around. I don't. I don't know. I'd like I I'd like to see it, and I'd like to see her without the weight cut. See if she can handle um, just like not be depleted in the cage. She handled it fine in this fight, but I wonder how much is taken away from her during the cut. Yeah. I mean, that's a constant mm-hmm. debate with these, these weight cuts and everyone. I mean, you have so many fighters that have moved up weight and done, done better because they were cutting too much. I can think of five people Right off the top of my head, I don't know. I just made that number up. Um, that have moved up. Anthony Rumble Johnson being the most ridiculous example. Absolutely. Um, Donald Cerrone. Yeah. Donald Cerrone. You got um, Rafa- R- RDA. Rafael DA. You got Jim Mooney. Oh, wait. <laughs> Mr. Sir Big Dog. Sir, Mr. Sir, big dog. Thank you. What a tool. Um, <laughs> at least he has good looking earphones on. <laughs> hey, oh. Dice, are you all right, Dice? I'm good. I wasn't ready for you to call Jim a tool, but I guess I am now. <laughs> and this brings us to the main event of the evening. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson squaring off against Ray Borg. And ladies and gentlemen, we predicted this fight would be short. But nobody predicted it would be this short. 
This would have been the only fight I got right on the card, and they got canceled. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they, they take away the gimme from you. And O has to go. Yeah. Um, Ray Borg was pulled from the fight on Thursday evening. Um, I don't think we found out about it really until Friday morning. Uh, at least uh, that's what my memory tells me. I think his nutritionalist went on and went on Twitter and basically he's fired that nutritionalist since yeah. because he kind of broke the news. No one knew that it was called off, but I guess the UFC doctors took a look at him and said he was not fit to compete. Now he has vehemently defended himself on social media saying that this was not his decision and the UFC doctors, he was sick, but he has not said it was, he has not stated that it didn't involve the weight cut, which he's had plenty of problems with. Yeah. And once again, to our point, it's maybe a fighter that needs to move up or we need more weight classes. And this is, this issue is getting worse throughout the company and that something needs to be addressed. Um, no, I, I'm I sorry, think that's a good point. I think they could probably add um, one or two more weight classes. This doesn't, this doesn't apply to him. You have 125, you have 135. Well, I mean, what do you want? One, one thirty? No, there's yeah, no. I, I agree with you in this sense. It's pretty much inexcusable of Ray Borg. It's a 10 pound difference. This isn't 185 to 205. And and I I can see like heavyweights wanting a two hundred twenty pound division like I think that would be a great division two twenty two twenty five I can see there being you know something between one eighty five and two hundred five like those are all legitimate things there's a gap there that's pretty wide but come on Either you can make one twenty five or you fight at one thirty five. Yeah, I like 165, too. I like that gap in between the lightweights and the welterweights as well. But, yeah, between 135 and 125, that's just a little silly. Yeah, I mean, you're not walking around at, like, one – I don't know. You're you're walking around it. If you're having trouble making 125, you're walking around at 145, 150. Yeah. So I don't think that 130 is going to, like, I don't know. Maybe you just need to fight at 135. He's 20. The, the thing is, he's 24 years old, which says to me his frame is going to continue to grow, and he's gonna, his metabolism is going to slow down. And How old are you, uh, Andrew? 25. Okay. So as you get those couple more years on, you start to – Put put up. It's easier to put on pounds, and you're you know you start to. It's not going to get easier for him, unless unless it's a dietary issue. Unless he's just not, unless he's letting himself go a little too much, and that's been occurring over. He's missed weight twice out of the last four fights. This makes a third issue in five fights. Well, a fight that didn't happen. So I I, I mean. Yeah, he needs to figure this out. I got a new nickname for him, though, since he can't make weight. It's Ray Smorgasbord. Like, <laughs> come 
Oh, that's gold. <laughs> no, no, his his nickname is Smorgas. Smorgas, and his last name Borg. Ray Smorgas Borg. Borg. There nice. it is. I like it. <laughs> I like it, Dice. Way to way to pull. So, does the wife still have your name as Dice in her phone? Dice in her phone. She'll show you on Saturday. It is Dice. Dude, Sahara, great job, brother. You you named him. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I have another name for him. I'm not gonna reveal it just yet. Go so. ahead, name him. I'm, I'm gonna hold on to it. You will always be lights out to me, Jim Mooney. I am lights out. Jim <laughs> lights out, Mooney. All right. Um, we have a UFC card, the third ever UFC card right here in our hometown of Pittsburgh. Downtown. If you've never been to Pittsburgh, you um, need to come and hear our weird accents. We try not to uh, try not to give you Pittsburghese on the podcast. Ought to come down and check it out. Yeah, there are some severe accents here in Pittsburgh, but um, I don't think we have. I think uh, Jim, do you have a Pittsburgh accent at all? I do not. Okay. I I don't either unless I'm trying to. But if are you talking or are you? Mind- no, I was about to. I was going to say Terry Dactyl does. Really? It's not it's not heavy, but there are times when at Dan that comes out. But it, we're talking about Terry Dactyl. Terry Dactyl. So we have a fight card. The first in um, about a year and a half here in Pittsburgh, and the third ever. The first one was in 2010, I believe. It was a yep. uh, versus four, uh, UFC on versus four, and it was a great night of fights. We had Cowboy versus Cowboy in, I'm going to say, February or March of 2016. And now we have 2017 in September 16th, and we have a it's a fight night card. We've never had a pay per view here in Pittsburgh. Maybe that can be a Cody Garbrandt title defense. Another little interesting about uh, that February fight, 2016. It was on Sunday. We don't What's get too many uh, UFC fights on Sundays. The 2016 or the 2010? 2016 was on Sunday. No, was it? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Let's, uh, Andrew, you're going to have to pull that up just to, because um, I don't believe anything that Andrew Booney says. Do not answer this until Ryan makes a commitment. Ryan, um, you want to play, play, place a little wager on this? I do not. Okay. I do I still, not. I still don't believe you, though. I do not. I do not. It's yeah. not a tumor. February 21st, 2016 is a Sunday. I told you. You said it all along. I, I know. You yeah, wouldn't it listen. Was not. It was not a tumor. All right. So we have our third UFC event. It will be at PPG Paints Arena, which used to be Console Energy Center, the same location that the other two fights were at. And home of the two-time defending back-to-back 
Stanley Cup champs. Well, actually, they're not the two-time. They are the – Well, okay, so they're actually one, two, three. Five-time. Or five-time and back current back-to-back back back yeah. champions. So, first thing I want to talk about is this fight card lacks something very important. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It doesn't have a fighter from the area or even the region on this card. I believe that the UFC made a huge mistake by by sending Mark Cherico all the way out to Las Vegas to fight instead of putting him this this card was already together when when they when they saw you know when they signed him to it instead of putting him on the Pittsburgh card that will draw you're going to get you, you, you sign Mark Cherico there's a thousand local regional MMA tickets sold right there right off the bat just that want to go see him in the UFC easy yep yep those are a thousand tickets that are not sold right now. Um, you're easily getting that, and you're getting the local promotion. Like, you put a local guy on the card, and you get everyone excited in the in the region for it. There's no, uh, there's no local buzz here. Do you guys? Do you guys? I mean, Jim, do you have a, hear any local buzz? No, and uh, what's interesting about, you know, we're podcasting tonight. It is Monday evening, and Showtime tonight is doing a, um, a private screening, a free screening, but a private screening of Tough Guys. It's an MMA film. MMA started right here in the Berg, in Pittsburgh. And yet, they cannot put a I mean there are guys that are around here that are worthy of being on the undercard of a UFC fight that would sell tickets and get local interest in this fight and the UFC has completely abandoned that and it's a it's a critical mistake we all we all appreciated the opportunity for Cherico with Dana White Tuesday night contender series which unfortunately he didn't have his best showing and 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 quite honestly looked gassed um, way too early. It was very unlike Mark Cherico, but um, it would have made a heck of a lot more sense to have Cherico fighting on this card and creating excitement in this town that is, I just don't see it happening for this card. Yeah, it's a, it's a big mistake. I just, I don't understand it. I don't know if it was laziness or I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but on the last one, that Cowboy versus Cowboy card in February 2016, Cody Garbrandt was on that card, wasn't he? Big following too, yes. Yeah, yeah. So who's Cody Garbrandt? <laughs> I don't know. I've heard of him. He has a lot of tattoos. Oh, oh. Yeah, that – I mean – I would really like to see the UFC have a card with Cody Garbrandt headlining now because that would be a card. You could put Adam Milstead in um, on the undercard fighting at 205 now. I mean, that would be a very good, a very good thing. 
Um, also, I think Dominic Mazzotta is going to do some damage in the 135 division in Bellator. He has two more fights on his contract, and then he's a possibility to be on a UFC card too. You get all three of those guys on a UFC card, this town would be on fire. It would be sold out. They would be selling. Instead of only looking to sell out the lower bowl, they'd be selling out the entire uh, PBG Paints Arena. Agreed. One can dream. Um, so we have a good, a very good headlining fight. I don't know if you guys had a chance to hear um, today on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani, uh, his interview with David Branch. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. That is a must hear. You have to listen to it. David Branch, first of all, it was hilarious because he doesn't like Ariel. <laughs> and so he was like, he was very blunt with him. And he's just like, I don't like your kind. And, you know, just because he, he feels, and a lot of people feel that Ariel is not, I don't know, not as, not as stand up as you would like. His kind. That's kind of a sellout. Maybe he didn't say that word. Maybe that's just my, you know, my version of it, but, it was it was not like any like racial kind of thing. It was just like the type of person you are. Um, it's a very funny interview. It's awkward, not not safe for work language. David <laughs> David Branch tends to uh, like the the f word and use it very liberally. So, but it is a very interesting interview and definitely a must hear. Um, but I think he's drumming up interest for this fight. He's got me excited for this fight. I haven't been this excited. And um, this is the best main event I think we've had in Pittsburgh. I agree. The best scheduled one. Um, I think Barry and Congo ended up being one of the best <laughs> main events ever. Yeah. Um, but, but as far as like talent level and, and um, I don't know that there's not much like build up for the fight though. I, I just, I don't think that it's on a lot of people's radar. Yeah, I agree. And I love what David Branch is doing. I, I mean, the MMA hour gets tons of listeners, build the interest. Luke, they, they don't like each other. And it's interesting. It's really interesting. Jim, what are your initial thoughts for this one? Uh, I don't know. I, I am kind of a, the, uh, the thinking that it is an underwhelming one. Hold on. Underwhelming what? 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 Um, okay. Can you, we will move on from that. Can you, off and on. All right. I'm just going to mute you. 
and which is you're muted we won't be able to hear you even if you do talk you can play with your mic and try to get it to work we um i think i i like the fight i think it's a good fight david branch is on an 11 fight win streak and he's been he's been good he he returned to the ufc um and got a uh Split decision win against Christoph Jotko, which is a good win. Mm-hmm. And he's a very confident guy. He's a guy that um, has plenty of talent. That's not a question. It's, you know, he when he's got big spots, he's he has um, not always pulled through. But I don't think that's a, a question of his talent. I just think, you know, he's he's facing guys that, are great as well. Yeah, during his World Series of Fighting run, I mean, he went on a tear and knocked off you know Jesse Taylor, who just won the Ultimate Fighter Redemption. He beat Yushinakami, who'd fought for the middleweight title before. The one thing that really concerns me as kind of a subplot for this fight is him making weight. He has struggled making weight several times, especially at middleweight. He and Rumble both missed weight when they fought back in 2012, and they had to have a catchweight fight at 195. It was probably more rumble than him, though. No, both of them missed. Well, I know you can miss, but you have to have a catchweight at the higher one's weight. Yeah, yeah, both of them missed, but he's done it several times at middleweight. He's a naturally big guy, so I'm anxious to see if he can successfully make weight, and he's stepping in there with a killer. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Luke, what if you – everybody just has Luke Rockhold bisbing in their mind, but if you go back to what Luke Rockhold was doing to Chris Weidman, I mean, it was a close fight, but once Weidman made that one mistake, Rockhold pounced. That ground, ground and pound was, was sick. It well, was and vicious. There was never a point where Weidman, like, had control of the fight. It was always close until yeah. that happened. I mean, Weidman makes it sound like – and I'm a Chris Weidman fan, but Weidman makes it sound like he was winning the fight when in, in actuality it was pretty close. It was if, – if if one was winning, it was by one round. Like, it was a close fight, and th- th- that happened in the fourth. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It, Weidman acts like they were, you know, oh, man, it was – I mean, it, I was beating him. No, you weren't beating him. If it, anybody, the sense of the fight was Rockhold was – Rockhold had a little bit more control of the fight. And you could just feel Wyman just uneasy with those kicks and everything. And I think this Luke Rockhold is really scary because he seems motivated to make a statement after that embarrassing loss. Yeah, Rockhold does he, – he kind of rubs me weird. He seems like he's, he's smug. Oh, he's very arrogant. <laughs> and so that's why I liked seeing Bisbing beat him. But then I realized – after Bisbing beat him, how much I dislike Bisbing. Um, so that was like a no win situation, essentially. Um, and here's the thing like, I'm not attacking these guys personally. I, I don't know them. I'm only going off of what I perceive. And who, who, I'm not saying that he is smug or whatever. I'm saying that's the way it comes across to me. And because uh, I don't want him to see me and beat me up. <laughs> That, that's that's very fair of you, but um, do you think he's going to beat up David Branch, or do you think Branch is going to back up his tirade today from the MMA hour and go out there and stop Rockhold? 
Are we doing uh, predictions now? Are we going to do them now or do we do them live well, we, on Thursday? We can, we can do, we can do pre- let's do predictions um, right now as we, do, as we go over the fight card. Okay, let's do it. All right, so I'll, I will tell you what, what I think is going to happen here. Um, I think that Luke Rockhold is going to have ring rust. And I think that he's – I don't think that he's prepared – well, I don't think he's prepared the way he is prepared against a guy like Weidman. I think he's prepared more like he prepared for, you know, once he knew the fight was going against Bisbing, whereas he thought, oh, this is not um, all that close. And I think it's going to be because of that, especially early, it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, I'm not ready to say I'm predicting Branch to win. I, I, I'm rooting for him. But um, I think Luke Rockhold gets a submission in the fourth round, and it will be a – it's going to be um, an inverted triangle Kimura. I like it. This is yeah. very common. Yeah. Very common. So that's my call. Um, round, Rockhold, four, submission, choke. Okay. Who wants to analyze next and predict? Uh, I'll go, Jim. All right. I'll take this one. All right. I, I think Rockhold is going to come in more motivated than – some think just because of the way he went out. I think he wants to come in and make a statement so he can, you know, just immediately reclaim how much, how much, where he was before he lost to Bisbee. I mean, he was, he was it for the middleweight division when he lost. And I think he goes in there, but Branch is not, he is not a scrub by any means. David Branch brawls. And he's very successful at what he does. His Jocko fight, I watched. I was I wasn't impressed. He looked a little, he looked a little hesitant in the big lights for once. But I think that's gone now that he's actually got one fight out of the way in the UFC. I think they engage each other, and I think he eventually tires due to the weight cut because when we discussed, he struggles. And I think Rockhold finishes him via TKO late in the third round. So the TKO, is that something that, I mean, does he stun him on the feet and then, or is this something that happens ground and pound? I think it's, I think he stuns him on the feet. Okay. I I mean, that's just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking stuns him on the feet with like a left, like, like a left or right high kick or a question mark kick. Sounds good. So an interesting thing that I've uh, noted in their stats is that uh, that Branch has a four-inch reach advantage. Now, in in a lot of fights, that can be a big difference. Um, but I think Rockhold has 
been in enough big fights um, to where, for the most part, he has respect for his opponent, and I, I think he's not going to tell that to um, Michael Bisbing. <laughs> well, but but there was history there. I do think he came in um, to use your uh, your term a little smug um, in that and thinking that he already beat him once. This is just like a tune-up. This guy, you know, took the fight on short notice. What does he have to worry? And we all know that anything can happen in the world of MMA. Um, with that said, Ryan, I agree with you that, uh, that there um, is going to be some ring rust. I mean, this is a long time since he fought last. Um, but I, I, just, I think that he'll be smart enough to, you know, make his way through the fight. Um, and I'm going with, uh, with what Andrew said, and I see this um, going to a cardio situation, you know, problems with a weight cut. I mean, you know, Branch is a, is a pretty hefty guy. And, I, you know, I think what is going to be the difference is Rockhold's um, leg kicks. And I think he's going to set that up for uh for some ground and pound eventually and i'm gonna go with um a tko in round three i'm gonna say middle of the round so you 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 picked the same thing as oh that's original no no (laughs) completely different you said middle of the round late yes he said late in round three okay um, wonder what you're going to – well, why don't we have uh, Jim – I was going to say all t- you know, unanimous decisions. Say and predict. <laughs> Try and predict you. what I'm going to predict. I got you back, Jim. That's my prediction. See that? All right. Where's my next sheet? Why don't – oh, yeah, here it is. So okay. we're working backwards. Yeah, we are working – well, we're working by main event down. Mike Perry – and Tiago Alves. Um, I'll start. Mike Perry is someone who uh, I'm really excited to see this guy fight live. He's an exciting fighter. He's a power guy. He, when he hits, people fall. And um, and no one then says, who the is that guy? <laughs> um, so I, I really like him. I think he learned uh, from a fight against Alan Jubin. Jubin. Uh, Juban. However, you say potato, I say potato. <laughs> um, he he really struggled, I think, with Jubin had a – am I saying that wrong again? Juban. Juban. Why, why can't I say it right? Anyway, I think he really struggled with – the the distance there and um that won't be the case here for sure he won't have to worry about uh distance because they're both about the same reach uh he has unbelievable power when he hits it's lights out it's happened time and time again what is he uh what's his record 10 10 and 1 10 and 1 i i'm pretty sure without looking Based on memory, I think all of his 10 wins are KOTKO. The the guy is 
has hands of stone and a good takedown defense. Um, but he does struggle with all kicks, body kicks, leg kicks, and that was what uh, what really took him down in his only loss. Um, and so then you got Alves, who has been at the top of the heap, and he is no longer at the top of the heap, but he's still that solid guy that shows up every fight, and he's a um, – I don't know what what is what's his ranking? Is he a top twelve? Uh, He's still a, a very quality guy. His recent losses are Carlos Condit and Jim Miller, both very tough guys. He has recent victories against Patrick Cote and uh, Jordan Main and Seth Bazinski. So there are um, he's a very experienced, very uh, good jiu-jitsu, and all-around solid fighter. Uh, but I think he has seen his peak, and that is gone. And uh, I see it being a another knockout for Mike Perry in a fight that really sh- allows him to showcase himself. I think it's a good matchup for him to uh, – to be built up because it's a name that people know and people respect. And uh, so I'm going to go with Perry with a second round KO. Good, Andrew. I'm still looking at some things. He still has to hear what you're going to say. So he knows what the. (laughs) Okay. Um, I like all the points you made. I'm really going to echo most of them. It, it's it's baffling to me. Think of Al, uh, Alves. He fought GSP for the welterweight title at UFC 100 in 2009. He's just been around the block. And I think we always talk about fight years, and I think he is ancient in fight years. He has been around. He's been in some great fights. He's only 33 years old. I mean, exactly. He, yeah. A lot of guys have have been in their prime at 33. Yes, I just I think, think Randy Couture didn't even start their career at this point. Yeah, and that's like, but uh, and Jose Aldo is only what thirty-one, and but I mean they've been around forever, been fighting, and I think that takes a toll. And I think especially in this fight, it's going to show. I'm a big Mike Perry fan, as you are. He's exciting. I think he learned a lot in that loss to Joban. Uh, jo I think I'm really no, I'm really excited, and I think he's. Oh, what am I leaning towards? I let's go with Platinum Mike Perry via second round TKO. Finished it with some ground and pound. All right, let me let me just uh, refresh your guys' memory. Do you guys remember his fight with Jake Ellenberger? Yes, that was knockout. What's that? Knockout. Do you remember how? Yeah, the elbow. The crazy yeah. elbow. The crazy elbow. Walk off elbow knockout. It was disgusting. You got to rewatch that. I rewatched it earlier in the week and uh, just because I wanted to see it again and remind myself why I love this guy. And it was, it was so awesome. Yeah, I only give 
I only say second round because Alves has only been stopped once by KO, and that was by Condit in 2015. He's been submitted before, but only KO TKO was that loss. So I give him a round. Mike Perry hits harder than Condit. Mike Perry hits harder than most people. I just Mike, Mike Perry's he he had he fought a boxing match. Yeah, yeah, he lost, but yeah, I saw yeah, that. But I mean, hey, you're willing to you're willing to go in there and 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 do that. You get my respect. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if Alves will try to tie him up, work out of the tie clinch. Mister Sahara. Yes. What you thinking? Well, um, I'm gonna read a quote. And uh, it goes like this. You're fighting the pit bull. Actually, forget that. That's the beginning of the quote. It's all over. No after party for you. And that's uh, a quote by Diego Alves. However, I think Mike Perry is going to be saying, you're fighting platinum Mike Perry. It's all over. No after party for you. I'm going with uh, first round TKO. I just think that – Alves is going to come in and um, try and force the fight, and but Perry's just going to catch him with with that power, and it, it's it's not going to go very long. And I'm I'm going to go, you know, actually probably like uh, middle of the first round. It's going to be pretty quick. Okay, so we pretty much just guaranteed Thiago Alves a victory <laughs> based on our last week's predictions UFC 215 if history repeats itself Diogo Alves can feel pretty darn confident yeah I I'm worried about Alves tying him up though and trying to really I say dirty it up but then I just think of that elbow he threw and how weird Perry can knock you out so I feel confident we're gonna get one right tonight guys yeah, he's, he's an old 33 yeah, um, he's been around a long time. He's an old thirty-three, uh, and I I think Perry is going to be quick, uh, make quick work of him. Not taking anything away from Alves, I just think that it's um, all the stars are lining up um, for a display of power on Saturday night. All right, our next fight is one of the uh, one of the greats, uh, Hector Lombard. And he is facing off against Anthony Smith. Um, I will let let's have let's switch things up. Let's let Jim uh, Jim. Do you want to lead us off? Yeah, yeah. This is I'm actually kind of excited to see this fight. I've always liked Hector, um, but like one of my most memorable fights uh, of him is not probably a memorable one for him, and that was against that's when he. It wasn't the H-bomb. It was the elbow from Henderson that um, knocked him out. But, you know, he was – it was a good fight up until that point. Um, and I just – I don't know. I've always been a fan of him, but I – he's one of those guys that is scary in the ring. He is a big guy, but he's got cardio. He doesn't really tire um, and, you know, get, get gassed and – his opponents take advantage of that. He carries his weight well. Um, Anthony Smith. Wait, did he, you say he does or does not? Does get? not. Does not. I don't see his uh, his cardio as being an, an issue. 
Um, Anthony Smith is, uh, he's got a big reach advantage, but uh, I mean, and, and he's, uh, he's a taller guy. It's a big size difference. I just think that Hector um, is experienced enough that he's going to be able to weather the storm. I think um, Smith is going to try and um, force his will early because re- that's really the only chance that I see. And Hector's going to uh, take him down, wrap him up like a pretzel, and um, crush his skull. So I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to say second round. See, I want to go with uh, submission. Um, I'm going to go with uh, submission. And I'm going to say uh, rear naked choke. Okay. Mr. Nice, Andrew Bailey. All right. Here comes Super Analytics. Hector Lombard has not won a fight since March 2014. You took my line. (laughs) He lost to 2017 Johnny Hendricks. There is no way I can pick him because I have a pulse. I am going with Anthony Smith, unanimous decision. Very nice, very nice, very short and concise. All right, here's here's the deal, guys. You got Hector Lombard, you got Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith has won 10 of his last 11 fights. He's 3-1 and one in his U- recent UFC run, 3-2 and two overall. He had a, he had a, he had one a single fight in the UFC in 2013, but this run he's three and one. He's a very active guy. He, he keeps fighting. He, as a matter of fact, he's 29. He already has 39 bouts. This will be his 40th professional MMA fight. So a very active fighter. You got Hector Lombard and with tons of experience for his age, you got Hector Lombard, who's 39 years old. He is a, physical specimen and a um, highly respected guy who is past his prime. Now, I differ from Jim in how I look at Hector Lombard. Jim looks at Hector Lombard as a guy that doesn't have cardio issues. I look at Hector Lombard as a guy who is a different guy in the first round than he is in any other round of, of fight. He's very fast. He's very powerful. He's very quick in the first round, particularly in the first three minutes, first half of the first round. And then he tends to slow down and he becomes a less dangerous fighter, um, for, at least from a standing point. Um, I think he is a cardio issue. Um, However, that being said, I don't think Anthony Smith has anyone on his resume and his ten of, winning 10 of his last 11 that have anywhere close to the talent level or speed or power as Hector Lombard. He has a good combination of those things, and I think Hector Lombard comes, comes through with a victory, um, and this is a good matchup for him despite the – uh, reach advantage that Anthony Smith has. 
I'm taking Hector Lombard, and I am saying that he gets a TKO in the first round. I think he's going to stun him, ground and pound, it's over. That Johnny Hendricks performance rubbed me the wrong way. I just – 2017 Johnny Hendricks is like just barely a step above a gym teacher to me. Wait, is he still alive, Hendricks? Yeah, he has a fight scheduled against uh, Ryan's boy at 217. Well, um, to each their own. Hey. One of us is going to be right here. We can't all be wrong here. <laughs> There's the plus in that. I'm getting off the schneid. All right. Next fight on the card. And we're only going to go through uh, the f- main card. Unless there, uh, you know, unless there's other fights that we specifically that we want to hit. Um, and these are two guys that I really don't know. Um, they're currently listed on the main card i don't know if that's how it's gonna pan out they tend to you know switch things around late sometimes but we're gonna assume that this is correct and um gregor gillespie versus jason gonzalez and i will start with this one um gonzalez has a little bit of a uh, a height advantage being that he is 6-2 in the lightweight division. So he uh, – we actually, Jim and I, saw Jason Gonzalez fight live. We saw him at UFC 203, and uh, he lost and got knocked out by Drew Dober. Oh, boy, yeah. Who is um, – Ricky Lundell knocked, knocked him out. <laughs> who is uh, a Octagon 24-7 favorite. Um He's going up against Gregor Gillespie, who is 9-0, undefeated kid, 2-0 in the UFC. Um, he's well-rounded. He has four knockout victories, three submission, two decisions. His last fight was at UFC 210. He won per, a performance of the night bonus against Andrew Holbrook, and it was quite a performance. It was quite a knockout. It happened in like the first minute of the fight, and it was quick. And he pounced on him, stunned him uh, with a with a huge was a left hook, left hook, and just knocked him to the ground and jumped right on him. And 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 Holbrook was soon out after that. He's an Edinburgh former Edinburgh wrestler, and so that is close to our uh, octagon. 24-7 headquarters in Pittsburgh, only about an hour and maybe a half away. Um, yeah, that nasty left hook. He, um, he's he got some skills. He's 30 years old and uh, looked real good and is undefeated. Um, that being said, my prediction with these two guys that I don't know very well is Gillespie will win – by domination and he will be uh, it'll be a first he, he's gonna be he's gonna have lots of lots of fans there i'm assuming being that he's um from new york went to school at edinburgh 
close enough to home to have people travel. And I see him winning first round. Let's go with a TKO. Well, it's mostly from ground and pound. All right. I agree with everything you said. And that left hook that he caught Holbrook with is just nasty. And not just powerful, but the accuracy of where he placed it. I mean, catches him clean across the chin. You couldn't even see it. And... When Jason Gonzalez fought J.C. Cottrell, J.C. Cottrell is not a good fighter. He gave up a dominant position and lazily – I mean, I can, can you even say he fought off the choke attempt from Gonzalez? Because he just almost – he basically bent his head down and let him choke him out. I yeah, mean, that it was, was it was weird. It was very weird. And I think if – I think if Gonzalez is in a position as bad as he was against Cottrell, that Gillespie's not going to let him out of it. He's not going to just get off of him. And I don't think it's even going to get to that point. I think it's going to be Gregor Gillespie first round KO. I think for, just from what I saw of that fight of Jason Gonzalez, I was not impressed. It felt like Cottrell was throwing the fight. It was weird. I am not impressed by your performance. <laughs> All right, lights out. Copy me. Let's go. Yeah, uh, I agree with um, none of what you said. Um, I I think if it um, if the fight ends in the first round, it's going to be a knockout by Gillespie. But I think it goes longer than that. Um, I see Gonzalez. I'm yeah. I'm not really going to get into you know all my reasons and the whys and ifs and all that, but uh, I'm going to say Gonzalez by submission, second round. Jason Gonzalez, second. So why aren't you getting into why? Because you don't have a why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, but it's, you know, it's, um, I flipped a coin uh, yeah. and I flipped it uh, three times. So, all right. First time was heads, that meant Gillespie knockout. Second time was tails. That meant Gillespie on his back. Okay, that's enough. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next fight, we have. So I'm I'm taking Gonzalez uh, with submission in the second round, and I'm gonna. Uh... Oh, you didn't say what's up. I yeah, I did not. Um, do I have to say what time? I mean, you, it's just points. You don't have to. Go for points. I mean, you could go with the traditional RNC. I mean, that's the, yeah, the go to. Easy one. Are you going to RNC? Yeah, let's go with RNC. Okay. Do go do like a do like a inverted toe lock. <laughs> um, all right, let's do uh I'll go with an arm triangle choke. How about that? Head and arm triangle? Yep. All right. All right. So help me out with pronunciations there. Uh... Smith. <laughs> Sergio Morace. Yes, Sergio Morace. And Kamaru Usman. Very nice. All right. See, I'm, 
I'm good like that. <laughs> All right. What do you think? I, you know, I, I really like Usman. I think he is a uh, very solid fighter. How many fight win streak is he on? At least five. I, I see five on my sheet right here. Usman is on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fight win streak dating back to VFC 41 in 2013. Nice, nice. I, I appreciate that. Um, he has at least five fights in the UFC, too. Uh, does he have a sixth? No, he won the Ultimate Fighter 21, and that was oh, that was the finale. Okay. Yeah, that was his first. Yep. Okay, so that's the first official UFC fight, even though he was in the house. And Correct. See, I stopped watching the Ultimate Fighter, and I shouldn't just because there are guys that make it out of there and do mm -hmm. stuff, and he's going to be one of them because I think he, he's, he's solid. I don't think um, they've tested him like he could be tested. Um, I think he's ready to take a step up in competition. I think this is a step up for him. Um, and Marace is a solid guy, but he's, again, he's an older guy. He's past his, his prime. He's 35 years old, um, 12 and three and one very, uh, he was on the ultimate fighter too, right? Yes. He lost he the ultimate fighter Brazil finale. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he's been around, he's. He's a very good with submissions, and you know this is a a fight I look forward to, but I think Usman is a up and comer, and I'm gonna take Usman in the. I'm gonna say it's a decision, unanimous decision. Ooh. Okay. That, that fits his track record. He is the decisionator. His last four have all been unanimous decisions. That's not why I picked that. <laughs> all right. So his last four were unanimous decision, and then he has a submission on there in the Ultimate Fighter finale. And he's stepping into this fight against just a snake of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Sergio Moraes is a two-time world champion gold medalist in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, a one-time European champion, and a one-time Brazilian national champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He has not lost a fight since June 2012. He had a draw in 2016 at UFC 198. Who was that against? Luan Chagas. Okay. In Brazil. And... He's beaten Neil Magny in the stretch. He choked out Neil Magny in the first round. And that was submission of the night at UFC 163. And Usman is interesting. He has a great nickname. He's the Nigerian Nightmare. Excellent nickname. Almost as good as uh, Schmorgus. But he's good. Marais is the, is, the, is the panther, though. Yeah, Usman. Yeah, they're both good nicknames. Um, but... I am going with the Panther because of his snake-like tendencies on the ground in a third-round submission. Let's see. What, what kind of submission should I go with here? Wait, who, who did you take? Marais. Oh, good. I took Marais. I want to be a little different. I'm going to go with Marais via 
Oh, wow. He has an Americana submission on his record. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to go with a, uh, let's go with an RNC. That Americana joke's impressive. Um, he has not lost since 2012. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you know what card he was on? That was his first UFC fight. It was Silva versus Rich Franklin. Yeah, he's been around, man. Yeah, that's impressive. He was still competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments just a year before that. Yeah. All right, Jim Mooney. Mm-hmm. Yes. This yes. is where you say stuff about the fight, or you could just... I am Jim. I am Jim. Okay, moving on. Okay. <laughs> Next fight. Yeah, I am I'm in the same camp as Andrew on this. I, I think that uh Marais has too much uh jits coming at at uh at the Nigerian nightmare. And I see this uh going actually to a decision. I'm gonna go with an uh unanimous decision uh for Marais. I you know, I he's um, his I think his last three um, victories have been by decision. It's been a while since he's had a sub, um, so maybe he's due. But um, I think uh, that's the way that it's going to end up. Unanimous decision for the Panther. All right, moving on to the heavyweights, we have Justin Ledette versus Zoo and Yawa. And Yawa. He is big. Azuna and Yawa. Yeah. So he's a Dana White Tuesday night contender series uh, fighter. He won the fight. He didn't get a contract, but he was able to take this as a late replacement. Um, Just the other day, uh, Ledette's original opponent, uh, had an injury and they gave him the call and he answered the call, which mo- you know a lot of people at this stage would not do. Um, taking a look at his uh, Dana White Contender Series fight, he fought well. He got a knockout uh, late in the f- or late in the second round, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, his last. He's on a five-fight win streak. He's 14-4 and four in his professional MMA career. He's fight, he fights out of uh, this state in, right here in Pennsylvania, Langhorn. Um, and his, his last loss, interesting enough, was to Daniel Spawn, who was also on Dana White Contender Series and was on the Ultimate Fighter. He lived in the Ultimate Fighter house. He did not win the Ultimate Fighter. And he did win his uh, – Daniel Spawn won his Dana White Contender Series fight, but he did not get a contract. As did and, – and Yawu did not either, and he is uh, – he is – got this call. Moving on to Justin Ledette. He's an undefeated fighter, 8-0-1. He has uh, a one-no contest due to an uh, accidental eye poke. He's 2-0 in the UFC. Pretty impressive uh, UFC. Two guys that are pretty good fighters. Mark Godbeer doesn't have the best record, uh, but he's a solid guy. I'm impressed every time I see him win and lose or draw. 
uh, he always puts on a good show. And he also beat Chase Sherman, who I've always uh, looked at as a solid fighter as well. Justin Ledette has really fast hands. He's not a, an imposing-looking guy, um, but he's a very well-rounded fighter. He has very fast hands. He, he's, he's a boxer. And very quick hands, knockout power. Um, he can surprise you because his last fight was a submission. And, and he can uh, – actually, it was – Godbeer, that was a submission. Was that his last fight? I don't yeah, know. That, that, that was his last fight. Okay. I thought so. Um, so he, he does have submission skills as well. Uh, the boxer got the, uh, the submission in his last fight. And what else? Solid guy. He, he doesn't look like he's going to – he's not the guy that you would see um, out and think, wow, that guy's got to be an MMA fighter. He doesn't have this – towering physique or anything like that but he is very good and um very impressive he's never lost uh that being said taking this fight on short notice was you know you got to take advantage of an opportunity and not having that contract he did take advantage of that opportunity but i don't think this is going to be um a good outcome for zoo and i am taking justin ledette to finish him via TKO late in the first round. I know nothing about Zoo except for what you just told me, full disclosure. But with Ledette, I agree 100% with your assessment over his last two fights. Mark Godbeer is exactly one of those guys who you always forget about. You know, it's good that you watch him fight. You're like, Mark Godbeer is good. Yeah. Like, he is very good. And Chase Sherman, the Vanilla Gorilla, great nickname. And pro one of the best Twitter accounts on there for fighters. He is an excellent fighter. Bright future, great heavyweight. And yeah, the guy's taking this, what's his name? Zoo? Zoo? His, his, it's shortened named as Zoo. His real first name is Azuna. Oh, Azuna. Azuna, like Azuna, and, and Yawa. Oh, man. I almost want to change my prediction solely because of his name. No, Yawu, and Yawu. Sorry. Azuna in white. Oh, man. That's beautiful. Like, but his nickname is Czech Congo is jealous of darkness. <laughs> Czech Congo is very jealous. I hey, Jim, I'm sorry. We were talking at the same time. What did you say? I said, uh, Zoo's nickname is the ghost and the darkness. Oh man. Uh, I, I think oh. it's I think his actual nickname is Eighth Wonder. Oh, the ghost of the darkness. That's oh man, that's great. Uh that's oh. what it is tonight. Oh, I want to go with him so bad. Uh, nope. Ledette, I agree with Ryan. First round, TKO, middle, middle of the round. Late notice is gonna kill him. Um, yeah, I I didn't see Zoo is having a very good gas tank when he was on the ultimate or Dana White contender series, even though he got the late knockout, he looked tired and uh, I don't think it's going to fare very well for him here. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah. I don't know much about um, zoo, I, you know, looking at his record, it, you know, it's misleading because it shows that he's gone late into fights um, four rounds, couple times five rounds 
Um, you should probably you know, take him. Yeah, you know, but you know, I don't know how much stock to put into that if he's, you know, got um, good cardio for a big guy, or if it's just, you know, because of his opponent. He's he's an unknown for me, um, but I just I like I like Ledette. Ledette is solid, um, and he's, he's. I just think that he's going to be too much for the Ghost in the Darkness. Um, although as scary as, you know, he appears, I, I'm going with Ledette and I'm actually going with um, submission in the first round and I'm going with RNC. Um, submission, uh, RNC first for Ledette. All right. That wraps up the ones on the main card. Are there any uh, the undercard you guys want to talk about? We have uh, some good heavyweight fights. I think Anthony Hamilton and Daniel Spitz is a good fight. Um, we have Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall's on there, yeah. And, and Christoph Jotko, um, you know, those are – I mean, we have another uh, – there's another – there's a third heavyweight fight, right? Hamilton and Spitz. Oh, we must have gone, already gone over it. Who's the third one? Why am I not thinking of? Sorry. No, I wanna, I wanna say something about the Daddy Longlegs, Daniel Spitz, and Anthony Hamilton. Daddy Longlegs is gonna get this win. I was very impressed with him and his loss to Mark Godbeer. And I th- and Hamilton's lost several fights in a row, I believe. I think he's two or three in a row. But, yeah, I like Daniel Spitz's – yeah, all right. So, Anthony Hamilton's lost one, two, three, four. He's lost four of his last seven. His wins over – I mean, nobody notable. But I think Daniel, Daddy Longleg Spitz is going to finish him second round. Well, Spitz took that Godbeer fight on short notice. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was Todd Duffy's fight. Yep. Um, so he did take that on, on short notice. I think it was just a couple weeks. Um, and so he has a full camp to really make amends for that against Anthony Hamilton. I, I also like that, uh, like him in that fight as well. But it's a good chance to showcase. He's a tall guy. He's got good length. I think mm-hmm. he's six seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that should be a good, a good fight as well. And um, I also like Uriah Hall and Jotko. And I like Jotko to hand Uriah Hall his fourth loss in a row. Man, does Uriah Hall disappoint? Yeah, I think it was you, Ryan, that said he has all the skill. He just doesn't have that killer instinct. He's just I don't think he has the aggression. Yeah. I, I, I don't I I wouldn't necessarily say it's the killer instinct because I don't think he's aggressive enough to to need the killer instinct. Maybe he has it. I just don't think he goes for it. Yeah, I think we've seen him with that killer instinct, but I think it's the aggression that um, is missing because we've he's had some highlight reel knockouts, um, you Most know, very of them flashy. Are out of nowhere, right? Exactly, and and that just shows that he he can land a random like 
great shot, but he's not the type that's going to really push you and, and, and go after it. And that's, you know, I think he has the talent and the power to do that. And I think he's letting his career slip away by not, ha- not being aggressive. And you know who Jocko's last fight and loss was to, don't you? It was to, uh, what's his name? David Branch. Branch yeah. Branch, yeah. Really Branch fought, fight. he fought on the, uh, that was 2010 the card. Yes. Second, yeah. Yeah, he's had two stints at the UFC. Wait, you mean he fought – Branch fought in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Really? Indeed. I, I'm pretty sure that he did. What card was that? Uh, I don't remember. 2010. That. I thought he was on that, uh, that Pittsburgh card. He was on uh, – 2010. Marcourt Polaris. Uh... No, I don't think he was. I think Jim's a big – No, he, was, he wasn't in Pittsburgh. Are you sure? Yeah, I have it up right now. He was in Plains, Pennsylvania for pure MMA the beginning in 2012. Uh, that, that's what Jim meant. <laughs> it, it is. You know what, Ryan? You are uh, – yeah, you uh, are wrong. <laughs> I think, guys, I think that's about covers us. That we, I, I have no idea what time we started recording, but I have a feeling we're well over our allotted one hour. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, do uh, you guys have anything else? Quickly? Uh, nope. I'll see you guys Thursday, though. Jim? I'm good. All right. Um, we uh, appreciate you listening. Again, it's very important that you like us on Facebook, subscribe to this podcast. Um, check us out on octagon247.com. We have pictures of Jim Sahara Mooney um, all over the place. So you definitely want to check that out. And um, we appreciate you listening. Like us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on all media outlets. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. What else? Anyway, thank you all. We appreciate it. Um, And uh, on behalf of... Sahara and Dice. This is Ride Dog signing off saying thank you and God bless. <laughs>